0: Of mind, that's the first kind of, of effort. Let's say that's the effort to prevent a hindrance from arising. So as you know, prevention is better than cure. So we can do a lot of things to prevent, uh, influence our mindfulness, uh, so that it's more continuous, uh, so that uh, hindrance have no chance to, to go in, uh, to, to attack us. But as usual, always the hindrances can raise their ugly head and you have a, a double hindrance attack sometime. And now you have to use a second kind of effort. Right effort is called effort to overcome. Uh, then that's how you can overcome a hindrance. Maybe you can replace it with the opposite substitution method you can reflect on it, you can redirect, you can uh, use so many tools that you have already now to overcome something that is present. Then there's another effort uh, which is called effort to develop for some states of mind, like Meta. That's what you're doing. You, you, You make an effort to radiate loving kindness, may I be well, happy and peaceful may I be free from suffering and causes, that's compassion. So you really actually start developing uh, wholesome states of mind. You are doing that already. But also you need to maintain them. It's not enough to say, may I be well up and peaceful, and then you forget about it. You need effort to maintain. So those are the four kinds of efforts. Probably is another kind of effort that maybe doesn't come under the range of this question. There are three kinds of efforts uh, which actually are needed at every stage. One is called initial application, initial effort. Another one sustained effort. Another one is non-stop effort. That means you don't stop until you reach the, the final destination, you know, until we reach ultimate goal, which is the Nibbana. Normally, compare those three kinds of effort. Uh, when I see the airplane is stuck in the, at the airport, or there's a tractor that just get it out of where it's parking. You know, it's initial effort and put it in line. And then once the plane is in, la- in a runway, uh, kind of aligned, that tractor goes. So that's initial effort. Then the plane starts having its engines running, one, two, three, four. It keeps on sustaining by itself, you know? And then take off non stop. So those three kinds of effort. So if you can apply each effort on each of the four, that makes about three times four, 12. That's, I think, something you can work on. You can work with that. what are skillful ways to work with boredom aside from just noticing that it's a present? Post-script, aside from writing notes like this. <laughs> pretty pretty resourceful. You're very resourceful, actually. You know how to get rid of boredom by writing notes and just keep on putting them there. Maybe that's another way. I mean there's so many ways. Yogis are very creative. (laughs) But actually it's very interesting. We are not just noticing that it's present. We need to notice when it's absent also. We need also to notice what are the conditions that are really cause and condition for the arising of this boredom. And then we need also to go beyond that. Is boredom rising? Is it passing or staying the same? What's its impersonal nature? So we are not just spending all the time watching things that are present. We are here to really understand the nature of our mind and body. So I think I would like you to before even you write a note hmm? to really take more time. Really know when the know when boredom is present and know when it's absent. Then you continue going on. What are the conditions for this boredom to arise? Are you removed from the present moment? You're just lost in the past and the future? And that's when you can invite yourself to the present moment. Oh. Let me present with my, be present with my breath. And for me, what I found out to be very helpful is the four elements. And always I return to them, okay, what's my actual experience? All right? So, okay, a person who asks this question, maybe I don't want you to single out, but you out. So if you just put your fingers like this together like this and just become aware of pressure tightness, uh, whatever your experience in terms of uh, elements, and then you feel, oh, this pressure is changing, the, the hardness is changing, rising and passing. So you are with the present moment. There's no boredom. Boredom comes when you are removed from the present experience. So try to come back always to the present moment. What's going on here? And you can use boredom as a meditation object by just investigating, as I told you, the condition for it to arise, for its removal, is it changing, staying the same, its a, uh, unsatisfactory nature, and its impersonal nature, because uh, you cannot make boredom go away just by saying, okay, go away. Yeah? Are, are rather, rather than writing a note, but that also doesn't take a bod- boredom away. It just increases it, actually, <laughs> because then you, you want to write another note. You get bored. I don't know how many notes you are going to write to us if that's how we are going to escape from boredom. But really, we are here to know our mind, how it works. Actually, I remember this question uh, um, this, uh, uh, the Buddha asked monks, Why do you hang out with me? Why do you live a holy life under me? That was a question Buddha asked monks. And actually, the way he asked it is that if other religious leaders, other ascetics, ask you, why do you live a holy life under the Buddha, what are you going to answer them? All the monks kept quiet. The Buddha said, you should answer them like this. It's for the full knowing. The Pali word is called parinya. For the full knowing of what is to be fully known, that you live the holy life under the Buddha. So what does that mean? Is that for full knowing of what is to be fully known is actually knowing the five experiences, five aggregates as body, feelings, perceptions, mental formation, boredom will come under that. And... uh, Uh, consciousness. So really we are here to fully know what's boredom, not just brush it off and find easy way out of it. It's just we want to fully know what's this experience called boredom. And I think we can also get uh, nuggets of wisdom as we really explore what's boredom is and get insight into what's boredom. Another question. Since there is no self and not time, what is that gets reincarnated? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I expected this. <laughs> and I can assure you, even if I answer this question, it will come again in one form or fashion. It doesn't matter whether you give a talk, 10 hours of a talk on this. (laughs) It's just that there are certain things you cannot just figure out intellectually. You just have to practice it. You just have to practice it. It's just like you cannot intellectually go to Uganda. You just have to go. (laughs) Ugandans eat bananas. You won't even believe it intellectually. That that's our step of food. You try to figure out how can you cook bananas. You have to go. I don't know whether I should answer this question, but anyway, let me go ahead, because it's not intellectual stuff here, it's practical stuff. But let me try. Okay, already the question, uh, since there's no self, it's already wrong report. actually. The Buddha was sidestepping those two extremes. One is self, another one no self. Already the question is out of picture. The right thing is N-O-N, non-self, because... When I was talking about these two extremes, the Buddha was trying to avoid and taught what's called the middle way. It was not about existence. So he was sidestepping what you call no existence and existence. Then what he taught is dependent arising. And the idea of self also actually kept quiet about it because that would mean that is eternalism. And the idea of no self, that would be annihilation. So the Buddha kept quiet and not confuse more of the people who are asking questions. So another thing, what is that gets reincarnated? Reincarnation is a concept in Hindu, it's not a Buddhist concept. Reincarnation means that there is a soul coming again and again. So if I to put a question for my attempt, will be since there is no NON, non-self, anatta, what is it that re-become? That will be the proper question. Because in Buddhism, we really have the, the, the Pali word is bhava, uh, which means re-becoming. So this is a whole Dhamma talk. <laughs> But what I can just tell you that uh, what re-becomes is ignorance, craving, and uh, karma. Uh, And these are not souls, as it was believed in reincarnation theory. In reincarnation theory, which is a typical Hindu tradition, the soul is permanently permanent and just get new bodies, new bodies, new bodies, new body, and then until it reaches moksha. So that's called reincarnation. So rebirth, again, maybe that's closer to Buddhist concept, but I try to use the word more re-becoming because that's a Pali word, ponobhava. Two more questions. Uh, doubting. It's about doubting. Uh, this is actually a question uh, for Joseph. Doubting type here. I need... Oh I need sorry about it. Okay. Uh, I doubt if i'm going i'm doing it right in my romantic uh, partner is good for me if uh, i I would be happier if if and if it keeps on going. Uh, I see again and again that doubt is harmful, but it still dominates my practice on and off retreat. Any suggestion? Uh, So I picked this question because also I think you are tormented by doubt on retreat. That's why I picked it. But for the retreat, I think that one can sort it out. I think we have already talked about the five hindrances. And one of the nourishing nourishing, what's nourishing doubt is paying anyone's attention to the distinction between what is skillful and and unskillful. The question about whether you're doing it right is another paradigm which actually uh, we try not so much to use in this uh, tradition because it has this kind of black-white, wrong right. It's so subjective, you know. So we want to know what's skillful and what is unskillful. And once we get that distinction, we can choose without doubt and with confidence and wisdom, we can choose, okay, this is skillful and this is unskillful. So uh, that distinction is very important uh, because uh, it really knows uh, tell us what is really skillful. And what's skillful, I can give you some idea whether it's leading to, we we'll look at it, the effect, right? the result. Is it leading to happiness or to suffering? If it's leading to happiness, then it's skillful. If it leads to, uh, to suffering, that's unskillful. Then we have to look at the motivation factors. What, what's the motivation behind skillful and unskillful. So if it's the motivation factors, greed, hatred, delusion, and fear, then it's unskillful, and the opposite of that is actually skillful, like loving, kindness, letting go, generosity, compassion, and wisdom, and courage. I think once you get those distinctions clear, and instead of seeing things... Uh, right or wrong and you start seeing things, oh, this is skillful and unskillful, then you can guard yourself in your relationship in what you're trying to cultivate or not and uh, I think that's what I can say. What are skillful ways to work with sloth and Troper? Does it always mask aversion or craving? I sometimes find uh, uh, I, f- I, f- I sometimes find so, but other times I could not explain its arising. Well, uh, not always that aversion is uh, always masking uh, aversion or craving. Uh, Sloth and Topper can proceed from simply. The body is tired. just needs rest. Another which arising is uh, uh, what we call food. After eating, biologically, uh, blood has to go for digestion. So it can come from there. So it can come from doubt. Uh, it can come from ignorance, that you are ignoring the present moment. It can come from... Uh, any kind of defilement. That's why it's very difficult to overcome it. And you can only overcome sloth and topa when you reach the fourth level of enlightenment. Before that, just be mindful of it and get wisdom around it. So sometimes find so, but other times I could not explain the arising. Well, we may not always explain things when where they are arising from, But the practice, and that's a bit of the practice, is it's immediate. We can just really deal with it when it arises. Maybe it's breathing in, breathing out, and the mind gets so boredom, then can you increase the objects of our meditation by maybe adding more, like breathing in, Breathing out, sitting, touching. Then you become aware of sitting, touching. This is my friend, the whole Dharma talk again. You contact your teacher and give you more tips. Thank you very much. Let us sit together. Thank you very much for your practice. I think it's day one or two, three. Brian talked about begin beginning our retreat. So I don't know whether I think it's day three. Enjoy you've asked such beautiful questions actually some of these questions we don't have enough time uh, to answer them in this session but don't worry uh, our wonderful teaching team here will some of them they will weave them into their talks in the future and don't worry don't despair be rest assured that we will take care of you it should question here is a Dhamma talk and uh, we cannot really fully answer these questions as you would like, but don't worry. If I go to your practice meeting and say, wow, yeah, can you really answer this question? They will do it. Thank you very much. I learn a lot from these questions. Thank you very much. So I wish you a beautiful, mindful, kindful day. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening.